And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to Jedi's and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Bad Batch. In this episode, The Bad Batch have their ideology challenged when they have to save someone who used to be their enemy. There will be... Omega runs a scheme, guys. And then The Bad Batch gets to pew-pew a lot of things, and then everyone's throwing stink eyes left and right in this episode. We're talking about The Bad Batch Episode 10 Common Ground this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. Common ground sounds like a coffee place. Well, it would be common grounds or something oh, like I, that. But... I bet. Let's see. Common grounds coffee. Oh, there's only 8,000 of them in America. Let's, uh, just, <laughs> let's just say that. Just within, let's see. For me, there are three... There's Common Ground Community Grounds Cafe, and then Common Ground Coffee Shop, all within my, like, within driving distance of me right now. Yeah. So, yep, 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 yep. The basic coffee house name. (laughs) Uh, How was your week? I just want to say we were right. We mentioned that there would probably be a Kenobi trailer, and we were right. Yeah, that was, I I had, I was... I don't want to say I was disappointed by the Kenobi trailer, but I was underwhelmed by it. The 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 I'm sick of over like I'm 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 done with just overhyped trailer music. It's just and really there's there's a few fights in it, but for the most part it's you know for one, I can't judge from the trailers whether it's going to be there's parts of it that look low rent and which is okay, you know. Um and there's parts that look really super cinematic and it looks like it could be quiet, it looks like it could be action packed. It looks it's hard to tell. So like I I don't think we'll be able like sometimes that's a really good it could be a good sign or it could be a bad sign. It could be that they that there's nothing to show us or it could mean that they can't show us anything, you know? So I was, I was not like, I was not like, Ooh, you know, it was just sort of, it was, it was okay. I don't, I don't mind it. Cause, um, I'd rather have like a hype trailer. That's just kind of like, look at all the teases versus like a plot trailer because yeah, I want to go into these shows sure. like with like very little plot. I was just, I mean, like, I had things a laugh. like uncle Owen and him arguing are not a big, it's not going to be a big surprise plot wise. Of I mean, of my theory and, uh, like I, the funny thing is, is by the time this episode comes out, Kenobi's going to be out. So, <laughs> But I was just I was just really excited for the dumbest reason possible, which was Is it really gonna be out that soon? It's out Ooh. the twenty fifth. Oh geez. Yeah, the like so like one right two like corner. a week two weeks from tomorrow. Oh geez. 
Yeah, so it's going to be out after this episode comes out, or, uh, comes out. And I think they're dropping the first two episodes, too. So it's going to be like two episodes are going to be up. But um, my my favorite thing I just had to laugh at was, guys, my grande boyfriend has a cape now. And I lost my fucking mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never imagined him. There, there's only one artwork of him in a cape. And it was for the, um, oh, what's it called? It's, it's literally right behind me. It was for the Dark Legends book, which is a fantasy book, a non-canon book. And it's where he's drawn to look like Nosferatu. And he has like the whole Nosferatu pose. And that's the only picture we have of him in a cape. <laughs> that's like c- close to canon. So oh, let me put this back. Oh, I'll put it back on my shelf behind me. There we go. Um, and so like I had to laugh because I was like, my fancy boy who all he wants to do is read books and drink wine and stab a Jedi. And now he has a cape. And I was like, look at this Krennic energy. Look at him strut. I love him so much. Oh, my God. Walk, baby, walk. And then Megan was like, I wonder if he only pulls out the fancy cape for special occasions. And I was like, hunting Obi-Wan Kenobi is a special occasion, Megan. So I'm excited. We'll see. I don't even really want to make a theory because by the time this episode comes out, the show's going to be running. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, the high point of my week was lo- was um, surprisingly uh, a new Star Trek show. Was really? really good. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, that, uh, How is this the one that everybody was bitching Wars- about? first episode no people are not bitching about it it's sort of the star trek equivalent of book of boba fett at this point right now um or mando sorry i always do that i always do that because i get the two they're they're the same show they're the same show it was season (laughs) 2.5 they're the same show um yeah it's uh, uh the strange new world show and it's when that the first J.J. Abrams movie came out, and I was like, you know, that was that wasn't so bad. It was entertaining. It wasn't like deep Star Trek, but it was an entertaining. It was an entertaining movie, and the cast was really good, and it had uh, Christopher Pike in it, who was the original um, captain of the Enterprise, and uh, he was in a couple episodes of Star Trek where he'd been horribly injured, and. They have to take him back to these aliens who can like have him live out a normal life in his mind, you know, matrix style sort of thing. And there's a, it's a trial episode. Really? He was, he was the original captain in the pilot that never got picked up. So they reused the pilot footage and a two part episode about him. Well, anyway, he, and he was really good in the movies and, uh, I thought to, and I kept saying, I didn't just think to myself, I thought to myself and I kept saying over and over again. And, and at the end of the Star Trek movie, you know, Kirk is, has taken the hell as the captain of the ship and his Spock and the whole crew's in place. And I was like, yeah, that's way too fast. You know, he served under other captains and stuff. You know, I would like to see just a show with Pike in charge. And all the main Star Trek characters as underlings and watch them make mistakes and learn, you know, how they became the characters they are, you know. And and then in the Star Trek Discovery series, they brought in Pike's character and it exists in definitely a different in in the tradition. I guess it exists in the, the regular Star Trek continuity. 
And this Captain Pike was fantastic. He just embodied the actor, obviously, just like was like, I love this role. I'm going to live it, you know, and everybody was like, man, you know, he should have a show. And I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity to have the young Enterprise crew under Pike, you know, do it an epi- uh, uh, you know, an episodic Star Trek show, a traditional type where you can have character development, but that's sort of like in the B and C plots. And, and it's just one story per show, you know, and each show is a different self-contained story and they did it. They, that is the show. It is, it is that the actor playing Christopher Pike and a crew in the first episode was its own self-contained story. That was just sort of like anti, nuclear weapons <laughs> story tra- traditional star trek story you know u- using technology for exploration and unity rather than destruction and uh and uh you know starfleet making a mistake and having to 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 correct it and uh it was it was good it wasn't like a gr- it was very, very good for the season pr- for the premiere of a Star Trek show, which are traditionally horrible for almost every Star Trek show, The you know, from the greatest Star Trek shows ever. You know, people are usually not too hot on the, the first episode, but uh, this one was pretty good. So that was uh, that was a high point. I was not expecting it. And and the producer and the the guy who wrote it and directed the episode are two big hacks that have done some of the worst parts of the new Star Trek. And even their in- inclusion in this first episode uh, really didn't uh, get in the way of uh, having a, a good story. I think my so, high point yeah. of my high point of the week was actually one was um, was uh, a, a bad batch related. Um, so I was watching the new, uh, Owl House and I kept just like, they, they introduced one of the new villains named, um, uh, 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 Adrian Gray. And I was like, he has to be a, a knock on Dorian Gray. He just has to. But the whole time I was watching this, I was like, God, he sounds so familiar. Like, why does he sound so familiar? And finally I looked it up and it's uh, Noshir Dalal, who's the voice of Admiral Rampart in Bad Badge. And oh. I was like, look at him. And he's actually joined like a slew of Star Wars voice actors in Owl House, like like Dee Bradley Baker's a regular, Steve Bloom's been on, um, like there's been like a, um oh what's her name Deborah Gordon Deborah, uh, she's the voice actor that plays Seer in, um, uh Deborah Wilson sorry. Uh, Deborah Wilson, she plays Seer in Fallen Order, and she plays one of the villains, too. And so I'm like, look at all these, like, Star Wars voice actors in Owl House. This is so much fun. Well, it's dis- It's all under the Disney roof, so it's like, you know, got to use yeah. those voice actors. And sure, it's it's great gig for voice actors because they're just, they're just basically hanging around in a place where they're making all sorts of cartoons. So it was just kind of funny because I was listening to uh, Nashir just um, play Adrian Gray, and I was like, "Oh, so this is what Rampart would sound like if he was interested." I'll bet you their, I'll bet you their, <laughs> I'll bet you their voices are coming out of speakers all over in the parks too. Ah, uh, who knows? Yeah, but um, and then the other thing was it was the penultimate episode of Amphibia. 
and the show's gonna be ending this week and i'm very sad and it was like a mini movie it was like a 48 minute final battle like anime style it was so good <laughs> and i'm so sad that amphibia is ending this week and i'm like hey. <laughs> so and i started a tiny garden i was telling chris about it i'm mm-hmm. trying to grow some wildflowers why so wild flowers we'll see i have a patch of dirt and some sun and some old seeds that i don't know how old they are but we'll see because something is coming up and it could be weeds we'll see what happens <laughs> so. i could have a i i could have a real super strawberry bonanza year this year because the strawberries out in front I of our you house. Said strawberry bananas for a second <laughs> strawberry but uh, strawberry but if you could if you could <laughs> graft strawberries and bananas into one fruit that would be a delicious fruit um but uh the strawberries in the front of, like most we have this big like mound that we have with all different plants and rocks on it and stuff but behind that we have shrubs against the house and under the shrubs we had strawberries in the backyard but they died out because all the trees have grown and cut off the light back there but over the years, birds had eaten our strawberries and then pooped as they sat in the shrubs. So we, so basically our whole front yard, this one section of our front yard is just wall-to-wall strawberries. And last year I cut the shrubs and the strawberries were sort of growing under the shrubs, but now they just have direct light and they're just <sighs> sucking it up and growing. And, and they've been there three years now, which is usually after they've been around three years, they start really give it, you know, they'll all start fruiting. So like there's just hundreds and hundreds of, of the plants. I don't know if they'll fruit less because there's a lot of plants there or, you know, but we'll see, we'll see in the next month or so, but I'm Mm -hmm. looking forward to finding out. Well, we should talk about bad batch. Did you like this episode? I did like this episode. it wasn't the. It, I mean, I'm. It wasn't a bad episode, but it, it's not one of my favorite of the last uh, four or five episodes. My thing about this episode, because I, I like this episode too, but my thing about it is, is like they just kind of tip dipped their toes in the in the water, and they didn't like fully dive all in with like like what this episode could have been, because like they could have said a lot of things in this episode. So I like what it is, and I do. If, and if and this I'll was get, in Clone Wars, it would have been a two-part po- political that, episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's actually a really good way of phrasing it, because like it's missing. It's a little bit too quick. Like their turnaround is like a little fast, especially Echo, who was like really adamant about stuff in the beginning, and then he's just like, "Live to fight another day, Senator. Come on!" And I'm yeah. just like, and so like it's. It's like they started going there, but they didn't fully commit. But I do like the stuff that they did. So, and it's kind of this thing, like, how much do I judge it for what they do versus what they didn't do? Yeah, it was also, it was also a pretty episode. The planet was pretty. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And it was That's fall. like two of my notes. <laughs> it's a, it's a fall on the planet and it was looking re- real pretty. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I, I've written in, like, all caps twice. Like, this is a really pretty episode. It's funny. I just saw, I didn't know, like, the, the new Avatar movie comes out in December. And they have the trailer out for it now. And I watched it. And 
like Avatar World is very detailed and neat looking, but it's still try as hard as it's still not as pretty as the stuff that they they've been hitting on on like Star Wars planets, you know, when they land on a new planet or have a nice beautiful planet. Um it also it looks like a video game. <laughs> it oh, looks like good. it looks like an animated show. It looks like an animated t- it looks like that's what I was going like, to say, because like that's essentially what CGI is. CGI yeah. is animation, yeah, only it, without animators. Yeah, but now like there's been so many since Avatar, so many like anim, you know, CGI animated shows that are just CGI. They don't have any, you know, any human heads in them at all or, or anything like that. I mean, on Av- Avatar, there were parts where they were on a, humans on a set, you know, and doing stuff but like for the most part like three quarters of the movie was animated this one looks this one looks like sort of like a video game cutscene, and i'm assuming that's because they probably haven't rendered out all the finished you know finished special effects yet but yeah more than likely but then i was wondering i'm like ah eh, you know i don't mind it you know i like watching my stories as an animated cgi story so that's that's fine doesn't have to be Pure realism. Well, eh, eh, oh, I can't wait till I can get a new floor mat. <laughs> my wheels, I have a hole in my floor mat and my wheel keeps getting stuck in it. I'm just like, uh, I can't get close to my desk. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Can't you like stuff something in the hole or something? Or? It's, well, it's plastic, so it's broken through to the carpet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I just have to get a new floor mat, but I am unemployed. <laughs> so if you like what I do, hit up my Kofi. Because <laughs> girls broke. Anyway, you ready? To... When you go into your next jobs, just go, please, please, sir. I I need a new floor mat. I was actually I cannot, just joking. I cannot afford a floor mat, sir. I was just joking with Arzu and Candace, because and, I was telling them, um, talking to them about this, and Arzu was just like, and I was just like, I need money. And Arzu said, you know, I need money shouldn't be a bad thing to say during interviews. And for some reason, it is. Why do you want to work here? Because I need money. <laughs> I don't need to explain why I want to do like... Why does anybody work anywhere? Because we need money. <laughs> like, that feels so obvious. But apparently, if you were just like, I want to work here because I need money. Like, that's a bad thing in interviews, whatever. Because I needed money. And I was looking for jobs that I <laughs> could do. I, I would like to. Yeah, right. Like this I a would job like looked to, like a job I can. I I think I could do this job. I think I, think I, could, I could. And I'd like to pay pay my bills and eat food and maybe just maybe occasionally like pay for my comics. Go. I was at a, a police. It was you know like at a police station. I thought that sounds safe, right? <laughs> that sounds yeah, like a yeah. Yeah. I'm applying for for that. So knock on wood. I, I could be a records technician. <laughs> right, exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. It's not like repossessing cars or like... A, no, I'm a not steel, like a being a mechanic. mill or something. Although, like, Hope at the Steel Mill would be a, a pretty... That would be a great movie. I, I, you know, like, Hope at the Steel Mill sounds Working like the one of the... steel mill with your hard hat like, on. It sounds... Like, the, ter- the, the, the term Hope at the Steel Mill sounds like one of those, like, inspirational movies of, like, a tiny town is fighting back against a big corporation. Yeah, no, And the only thing driving them forward is yeah, hope. Yeah, it's Norma Ray, you know. You're, uh, you know, 
When do we strike right now? That's right. Follow me. Wow. You know, Meryl Streep as Hope Mullinex. <laughs> oh, my God. If Meryl Streep played me. Oh, Lord. <laughs> See Meryl Streep just like. I'm just a 30 something year old woman trying to make it at a steel mill. Why? <laughs> why are you impressing me, Mr. Oppressing me, Mr. Owner? And they would de-age her with that CGI. Oscar. No, they wouldn't even de-age her. She's such a good actor that the, the, she, the, like your mom would be watching it going, I didn't know you made a movie, Hope. <laughs> That's how good Meryl Streep is. Meryl Streep. Looks better than I do at her current age than I do right now in my mid thirties. <laughs> she has it. Anyway, bad batch. Bad batch. <sighs> Common Ground is the tenth episode of the Bad Batch, and it aired on July second, twenty twenty one. It was written by Grisimran Sandu and directed by Saul Ruiz. Some extra information for you. Captain Bragg is played by Shelby Young. She's been in multiple Star Wars roles, including the voice of Princess Leia in Forces of Destiny and in, in, and in Lego Terrifying Tales, as well as Curdy in my favorite short, Tatooine Rhapsody in Star Wars Visions. She's the, the yellow droid that plays the guitar. And I was just like, oh. Curdy! <laughs> I miss Star Wars Visions so much. Can we have more visions? You can, can we... always watch it again. I know, but can we talk about visions again? <laughs> I, I want to talk about it again. We Ugh. have to put at least five years in between before we can talk about the same episodes okay. again. Okay, I guess. Oh, where am I? Uh, GSA is voiced by Cyan Clifford. Her other works include Fleabag, Life After Life, and Vanity Fair. Uh, Avi Singh is voiced by Alexander Sindic. His other works include Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Game of Thrones, and Gotham. And finally, Raxus is the capital world of the Separatists during the Clone Wars. It was first seen in the episode Heroes on Both Sides, when Padme takes Ahsoka to, a Separatist, to the Separatist capital to meet Mina Monteri and her son Lux. I don't I, say segue, 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 segue. Yoda's pulling up on his segue. <laughs> Hi, Yoda. Hi. You look great this week. Did maybe some... working, maybe working out. Yoda has been. Oh, and you look like you got a little sun. Sun, yes. Um, muscle enhancing drinks. Yeah, yeah, mm, I, see, I see that. See that one pack coming out of your stomach? Very good. Yoda's got a one pack? Yeah, yeah. Definitely not a belly. It's mm. a one pack. I have one too. <laughs> yep. Well, I have a question for you. They call it keg. Ah, the keg pack. Wait, no, that doesn't make sense, Hope. <laughs> That's, Hope forgot what a keg was for half a second. <laughs> Sorry, Yoda. I, I was dumb there for a second. Thank you. Uh, but I do have a question for you. Question for Yoda, yes. Yeah. Very smart about, as Yoda. And it's about your insane musical talent. Yes, Yoda's very insane musically. 
Uh-huh. And it comes from our dear friend, Gene Gene, the podcast machine. Do-do-do-do-do-do, Gene. Yeah. Oh. Actually, can you give me a little do-do-do in, in your... In Yoda? Do-do-do-do-do-do. Gene. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, waiting. Yoda thought you were going to do Gene. No, no, no. You gotta do Gene. Not like that. Um, anyway, so he says, here's a question for Yoda about your great musical talents. Was there an inciting incident behind the writing of your hit single, Seagulls, Stop It Now? Or do you just not like seagulls in general? Yoda likes seagulls. Delicious they are. Hmm? Yes. <gasps> wonderful salad. Yes, a little fishy flavor. Mm. But, um, yeah, no. Well, lobster eat trash, right? Goat eat trash. Yoda eats lobsters and goats. Okay, that's mm. a very that's a very valid argument because I love lobster and I do love goats. So lobster very... and goats and seagulls, oh my. Yum, yum. Song, seagull song though. Stop it now. Ironic title, because Yoda cannot discuss many details of song because of advice from Yoda's lawyer. Abraham T. Palpatine, Esquire. Wait a second. Can you not describe it because you're afraid that somebody might steal your steal your music and make it cute and cuddly? No, no permission from Yoda for that song. No, people. Maybe a deep fake? Yes, maybe. Maybe <gasps> deep fake technology. Yoda did not do that song. Yoda would do a better song. It would be so cute. A sexy if... song. Can you, Chris, can you imagine Grogu singing it? No. Yeah, Yoda I. Soothe too, just like Yoda sued Weird Al. You sued Weird Al Yankovic? Yes. What yes. Do do? I I need I need details. Like, did he just try to write a song about you or something? Yoda did not win. Said it was parody. It was. Oh, that would do. That Yoda, would do it. Public figures, Yoda can make fun of Yoda. Ha 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 ha! Weird Al. Weird Al is not powerful in the Force, though. Did you kill what Weird Al? No, not yet. <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like yes, and then I cloned him because I know those bastards on Camino. No, cold revenge from Yoda for Weird Ugh. Al. Ugh. And seagull people. Not bad song, but not Yoda. Took Yoda out of context. Oh, Very gotcha. bad. Well, that's what parody does. But mm. I still want to hear a song by Grogu, though. I think that'd be very sweet. Very, very sweet. It would be. He'd be like, Seagulls. Yeah, yeah, and then you just like babble for a little bit. You'd just be like, Seagulls. And I'd be like, Ah, baby Yoda. Yoda working on his jazz album. 
Classy it is, yes. Much scat by Yoda. Well. Skibbity scabbity ebbity doobity bowie Yoda can do that all day. I just imagine you just like falling downstairs just being like ebbity bobbity boobity Hope cannot take credit for that joke. That is a game grumps joke of what would happen if a uh, if somebody's scatting fell downstairs and it's the funniest fucking thing of just like ah, <laughs> I cannot take credit for that joke, just to be clear. <laughs> Alright, yeah, to get on out of here. We gotta talk about Bad Batch. Oh, he fell down the <laughs> stairs. <laughs> I thought you I thought you were gonna just be like and then like like trail it out. <laughs> That's where I thought that was going. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rip off the game Grumps joke. Oh, oh, certainly not. Yoda jokes is still my favorite. I, yeah. oh man, I get to see them in June, and I, I'm actually going with one of our listeners too. Oh, a lot. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be hanging out with our listener, Brian Weber, who, whose birthday was just yesterday. So this is a very, very, very belated birthday. Happy birthday, Brian. And I can't wait to see you in June. So we can watch Game Grumps. It's going to be so much fun. So very excited about that. Anyway, act one. I'm ready for it. <sighs> act one. We open... Not with our heroes, but on Raxus, the home of the dreaded Separatists. Only they're not so dreaded anymore, because they lost the war, you know? And they're all losers now. Losers, all of them. And that's where we meet the gorgeous Captain Bragg. She can step on me. I love her. She's all just like, look at me. I'm, I'm, I, look at my boots. These boots are hope-steppable. And I'm like, yes, it is, queen. Yes, it is. And she's greeting her new people. Just being like, hello, people, Braxes, I'm here to help you. Let me tell you all about my propaganda bullshit. And then she, like, monologues in the background. And with her is Senator Avi Singh. And he is just like, oh, my God, why am I here? I don't want to be a puppet for the Empire. My people are going to suffer. Look at them. Look at them, droid. This is my droid, GS8. And she's like, hi, everyone, I'm GS8 now. And he's like, look at my people. They don't want the Empire here. They're booing. They they don't want a curfew. They want a party all night long. This is a party planet. And it's awesome. And so I I just, I can't do this anymore. And Captain Bragg is like, I finished my propaganda. Come, talk to your people, Senator Avi. And you can get up here and tell them how awesome we are. And Avi comes up to the podium. And he looks down at his people, and he's just like, Hey guys, fuck the Empire! And everyone's like, Yeah, fuck the Empire! And then like chaos erupts, and everyone's just like, Yeah! And he's just like, Yeah, go out there, get him! We're not gonna let these Nazis invade our home! Fight the space Nazis! And they're all like, Fuck Nazis! And it's great. And he gives a very passionate speech, and then he's arrested. Because Bragg is like, how dare you? And during all this chaos, when people are just like, whoa, and stuff, GS8 slips on out of there and makes a call. And Bragg just looks so disappointed. She's just like, oh, I could have stepped on all of you. 
But now I have to deal with this sing guy, and uh, my boots were made for walking. And that's just what they'll do. They're going to walk on down to the basement with my lovely dungeon hullabaloo. It's going to be great. I tried to rhyme that. Sorry. <laughs> I failed. Anyway, so Rex is, is in a state of panic. Their senator is now captured, and Bragg is hot as fuck. Now we go to our Bad Batch family, and they're like walking back to SIDS and they're eating their fancy popcorn and they're having a great time and Omega's just like alright Hunter I'm ready for the next mission and he's just like mission ready honey honey child you have two bounty hunters after you do you not remember Cad Bane and Fennec Shand and how last week went we just got you back your little boo-boos on like your leg and, and like your arms are like just healed we want you okay, so you are going to be low profile. And they get back to Sid's, and Sid is like, I hope you boys don't want to be low profile because I have a job for you. And they're like, uh, what? And she's like, here's your job. You're going to go rescue Senator Singh on Raxus. And they all kind of pause, and they like look at each other, and Hunter's like, no, thank you, and slides the chip back to her, and she's like, what the fuck is the problem? Don't you want money? Don't you want money? And Hunter's like, of course I want money, that's why anybody applies for a job. <laughs> for the money. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't say that in my interview, Sid. Way to bring it all back around, Hope. Way to bring it all back around. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I feel so clever. <laughs> Good for me. No, no, anyway. Um, where was I? I lost my spot on my notes. Oh, there we are. No, no, the real reason is, like, Raxus is where, was the, the capital city of the Separatist. And Hunter's like, Sid, I don't know if you know this, but we're clones. And so it's like, oh, really? Fucking really? You're clones? I couldn't tell. And he's like, no, no, like, we've just spent our entire lives fighting the Separatists. And so it's like, that's great. You still have a debt to me, so now you're going to spend the, the next few days of your lives saving the senator. Get the fuck out here. And Hunter's like, fine. So he takes the job, but he goes over to Sid, and he's like, look, Sid, I don't trust you. That's just the thing. But we have two bounty hunters after us. Can you watch Omega? And Sid's like, you want me to babysit your child? And he's like, yes. Put it on our bill. And she's like, all right, I'll totally babysit your child if it goes on your bill. That sounds great. So Hunter goes up to Omega, and Omega is not happy about being left behind, but she begrudgingly accepts, and she watches her brothers leave, and she's like, bye, you guys, I'll miss you, be safe. And Sid's like, hi, Cinderella, here's a sponge. Start cleaning. End of act one! What did you think of it? <laughs> what a dramatic end. Start scrubbing. I mean, that's where the screen wipe is. I was just like, uh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you want it to be? Like, dramatic scrubbing? Like, bum, bum, bum. like it goes into like the Rube Goldberg music, just like the dun 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 What's the voice like? Dun 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 Like the little balls are rolling down and then it like eventually cracks a bit. I was portioning food today with that song, the original the original recording of that, which is, I'm trying to remember, I can never remember the guy's name, although I 
have his albums and stuff. It's one of those names that always evades me. It's he had a jazz band, and that was Powerhouse is the name of the song. And yeah, Davis. It is Powerhouse. Uh, By uh, Scott, Raymond Scott Trio. By the Raymond Scott Trio. And uh, yeah, one of my favorite songs. But it's fun working with headphones and that song playing. You are right, because Reddit just confirmed it. And therefore, it's on the internet and it's true. Yeah. <laughs> that might be how... It was, a big, it was a big hit in its day. And like it gets famous as a Looney Tune, but Looney Tunes, you know, the uh, Carl Stalling who did the Looney Tunes music would appropriate, you know, songs, all, all kinds of, you know, pop songs of the day. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Sorry. I, I clicked on a link to be like, is it Powerhouse? And then I started playing a YouTube video in my ear and I was like, ah, ah, too much. Too much Rube Goldberg. <laughs> Everybody always remembers it from that Looney Tunes. Well, it was in a lot of Looney Tunes. And, and it was also in Tom and Jerry, too. Like, I remember yeah. it from Tom and Jerry. But uh, the, 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 I always remember it from there was a Chip, not Chip and Dale, but whatever the two chipmunks from Warner Brothers were. And they get, they get, uh, uh, they're in a, you know, they're like, look at all these vegetables. This is the biggest vegetable garden we've had. And it's like a huge factory vegetable garden and they get sucked up into the factory and like they're getting put in the cans and stuff oh the uh goofy gophers okay so they're gophers but they were very they were very i only know that because i googled it <laughs> so i was like chipmunks with warner brothers anyway what do you they're think very, they're that? very polite gophers they're like shall we go in shall oh, we yeah after you oh i do remember that yeah well, act one, give me your yeah. notes. Ah, well, I don't have an awful lot of uh, notes. Uh, beautiful fall leaves. I think I mentioned that before. There's a sort of Naboo feel to this planet a little bit. And just in general, you know, like a, a, a very, like, Clone Wars era. Well, we are just post-Clone Wars. But it, 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 even even before we see the big tanks clanking around, it feel it's it feels very Clone Wars. It feels very like or not even Clone Wars, but prequels. You know, like mm. uh, like Nabui, sort of. Um, okay, so this is my only real note for this, and this is just something. This doesn't always happen because sometimes you know, like in Episode One, you'll have a planet with two different faction, two different people on it, or something. But from when they when when all of a sudden the, they're going to the planet Raxus and the capital capital is Raxalon, it's like, where would our capital would, would Earth have Earthalon? Would be let's name our capital Earthalon. You know? <laughs> it's just and and it it just struck me how it seems in Star Wars and in just a lot of science fiction things where they go to a lot of planets that that and you know. I mean, if they did planets realistically, like if you came to, if Star Wars came to Earth, the story would hinge so dramatically on where they landed, you know, what country yeah. they landed, it, you know, and it could be just, you know, 
thousands of different stories depending on whether they landed in America or in the Andes, you know, or or something like that. So, and you know, what what type of government that that was, you know. So it's 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 funny they just sort of do planets as like when you're when you're doing a story in a galaxy where you're hopping from planet to planet, we're just going to think of each planet as a country, you know. It's almost mm-hmm. like if it was set on, if it was an adventure story, if it was an Indiana Jones, you're going from country to country. Here they go planet to planet. So it's just easier to have each planet just sort of have, like, mono, I guess the word's a monoculture or whatever, you know, the, yeah. the and and it's just, you know, like this, you know, or tattooing where like all this all the cities you know are spread out but when you go to each one they sort of all look the same you know look above a fed <laughs> um yeah no i totally get what you're saying i feel like uh, it's brushing the edges of my mind i feel like we had a similar conversation gosh like way early in clone wars like the first ryloth episode because everybody had kind of like a like a french like accent um and we were like all right so like I guess right off is France and like, or like the French equivalent because they were like pushing back against like, you know, right off has always been like a resistance planner and stuff like that. So yeah, I totally get that I was saying. And I, I do enjoy like the times that we kind of get those difference. Like the, the one that came to my mind while you were talking was Kessel because we've seen Kessel in rebels and in solo where uh-huh. it's, we saw like the spice mines and stuff like that. But then in Clone Wars Season 7, we got to see the rich, fancy side of Kessel, which has all these, like, lush green trees and stuff like that. So I, I would like to see more planets where it has, like, these, like, different um, biomes and, like, different cultures. Like, where, like, half the planet is one thing and the other half. And, and I guess we kind of get that on Coruscant, where the top yeah. layers are just, like, the Gilded Age, when Even, the lower you yeah. get, the worse it gets. Right. Instead of the reality where there would actually be like 800 different countries or whatever. I don't know how many different countries we have in, in on the planet, but it's got to be hundreds and hundreds, you know. How many countries are we have Google? There are 195 countries currently. Oh, less than I thought. But still, that's a lot of countries. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> we also that's a have lot of stuff to do like. You're doing How a 22... many micronations are there? Oh yeah, you do it. And yeah, you there do are it. 67 micronations. And and and, and then, then you know you got like big countries like the United States, which has 50 states, and yeah. those are all different from each other. And yeah, so yeah, imagine that if you had to take that into consideration when like okay, we're doing we're we're doing our treatment for this uh, this Star Wars. 20 minute star wars episode and they're going to this planet which we've never been before let's let's write up a little history of this planet well there's you know 85 countries let's see here's their names oh my god <laughs> this one's an agrarian country this one's more techno this one's sort of more like canada <laughs> you know? i mean i I know yeah. I've thought about it a little bit, like for because I, you know, if I've talked about it before. I'm writing a High Republic story, so like for example, I have a running joke because he was raised in the you know, in the Jedi Temple. Loden, who is a Twi'lek, has a very formal accent, so people always joke with him that he sounds like he's from the north because he has a very formal uh, Twi'lek accent compared to somebody who was like raised on Ryloth. 
So, like, I, I thought about that before, and I've also thought a lot about Castellon, the planet from Resistance. Because when I was doing some research, apparently, like, in Castellon has some, like, chain islands, like, some coral reef chain islands where, like, people have populations. So I was like, okay, so, like, what is those... Because we all we only ever saw in Resistance, like, the water, you know? So, like, what would those, like, islands look like? And how would that life be different? And I was like, is it kind of, I, I kind of imagine it looking sort of like the Bahamas a little bit, <laughs> you know? So I have thought about that some. But, yeah, I, I think that would be interesting to have, like, not, like, 87 planets. But, like, what if there was a planet and it has, like, four countries or something? Yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting. That's all I got for part one, really. Um, For me, my very first note, and I've already said it, this episode's gorgeous. <laughs> it was um when I was on StarWars.com and looking up the trivia for this episode, they had a shot of Raxus from the Clone Wars series and Heroes on Both Sides versus a shot from this episode. And it's like night and day. It's amazing how much the animation has come. Like it's 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 so good. <laughs> yeah, and they they they're really doing nice. Uh, as always, like the lighting is like that. It just gets better and better as the technology improves. I assume and their skills. Um, but the only other scene, I, uh, note scene. The only other note I have is kind of like one long note, and it's all about the open opening scene, and I find it really fascinating because. We are a few months out of the Clone Wars, and we're on a Separatist planet. And it's interesting because we're seeing how the losers are being treated. They lost the war. Very bigly, big, big lost the war. And there's two kind of different factions here that I find really interesting. Because in the eyes of the people of Raxus, the Republic that they had been fighting for three years became the empire so the empire is still the enemy and they're still being invaded and so like so it totally yeah, they're makes... extremely hapless is the word i always think of with them they they were manipulated into this war and they're just like ah <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they can't win they were just basically part of palpatine's machinations and now that they're just getting shit on over and over again yeah very much so and like so that's like really interesting because like they originally broke away to become the separatists because the Republic and the Senate was corrupt and they wanted to start their, their own government, all led by Count Dooku, to only horribly lose the war after probably billions died and they're still being invaded. So it totally makes sense that these people are like pushing back against the Empire because the Empire was the Republic, their enemy three months ago, you know? Um, and I kind of really like this idea that the first rebels in the rebellion more than likely came from separatist planets. That's a really cool idea because they were the enemies of Clone Wars and they're probably some of the first rebels. So they go from being these enemies to being the heroes to fight back against the Republic or fight back against the Empire. And I just, I like, I think that's a really cool idea because we do have some supporting material that supports this. Well, because... they're the first people to also sort of organically come into this battle, you know, instead of being maneuvered there by Palpatine, these people are just like, hey, wait, something's not good going around and it's the Empire, you know, whatever the separatist shit was that was before, you know, they're sort of like a fresh batch, you know. Mm-hmm. And like 
we do know some of this has like supporting material because in one of the Rogue One novels, Cassian Andor, whose show I cannot wait for, talks about that, how he was a separatist originally. And we when he was a little boy, he would throw rocks at clone troopers when he was a child because he was on a separatist planet and they were invading his home. And he's like one of like the big rebels of of the the rebellion you know he's a leader he's a spy and he's been in this fight literally his entire life and i so i I just think that's a really cool idea that some of the heroes of the rebellion probably came from being enemies in the clone wars yep yep um and then the other side of this was a, a line from gs8 so, like, when, when Avi Singh is, talk, is talking about, like, I don't want to do this, like, I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable doing this, this isn't right, GSA mentions that other separatist senators have already been arrested, so he has to do it. And so, like, that tells us that Raxus isn't the only separatist planet that's pushing back, because if all those senators had fell in line like Avi was supposed to, there wouldn't be a problem. The Empire would just come in and take over and they'd be fine. Yep. But the fact that the other separatist centers had been arrested already means that they're already pushing back as separatist planets. And especially because, like, it makes sense because they're very leaderless right now. Because Anakin Skywalker very famously killed all the main leaders of the separatists in episode three. So, like, all these senators are left on their own to deal with this, to figure it out and do what's best for their own planet. And it is really sad, just like you said, like, they were completely abandoned by by being shit on by Palpatine, being manipulated by Palpatine and Dooku, and they're just being abandoned over and over and over again. And from what we know about Clone Wars, like, of course, like, this is different because we're seeing Rexus and stuff like that, but a lot of the Separatist planets... Were the aliens, you know, like the Geonosians and stuff like that. Like they were alien planets, which makes it even like this like story of like this very human centric empire coming into their world and their territory to pretty much colonize them. So it's just like this like super deep layered story that I just find really fascinating all set up in like the first three minutes of this episode. Yep. And that's the deepest. (laughs) We get into it, really, is in the setup, the idea of it. Yeah, yeah, really, because from here on out, all my notes were like, this is great, it'd be great if they got deeper. But, like, this was, like, the most, like, fascinating part of the episode for me. Yeah. That's all, that's all I have. Yeah, there's... Not a lot for Act 1. I got my most notes in Act 3. Uh, they're 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 mostly about the tanks. (laughs) (laughs) The tanks crawling over other tanks? Tanks on tanks. Tanks Tanks all the way down. Tonight in prime time. Hot tank on tank. Life day, life day, life day. Four-legged crushing tanks. And if you want the the Cinemax version, it's only four ninety nine to see the fire and the bombs. <laughs> I just spit on my microphone. I'm sorry, my microphone. My microphone is slowly getting like a little smudge spot of me of me like accidentally touching my lips, and I constantly put on chapstick, so it has like a little grease smear on it. 
Nice. My poor microphone. Here, let me rub you it's off. It's a nice, supple microphone now, though. It, it is. It will always be supple. We get very close. Yo. <laughs> Yo. But that's all I have for Act 1. Did you have anything else? I do not. Act 2? Act 2. So, the Bad Batch are on their way to Raxus, zipping through hyperspace. And they are not happy about their mission. Especially Echo. Echo is like extra salty this time around. He's just like, I don't like the Separatists. They captured me. They put all this googly shit on my body. They plugged me up to a computer. I was pew-pewing for a long time. And then I became pretty much a nice Darth Vader. I don't like any of this. Why are we on this mission? And... And Hunter's like, well, it's money. And, and Echo's like, I'm getting real tired of that excuse, Hunter. You know, we could have just went with Rex. And Hunter's like, oh my god, if I hear about Rex, what, why don't you just go date Rex, Echo? And Echo's like, maybe I will. And they all just kind of like start yelling. It's fine. And they just pretty much fight the whole way there. And they arrive on Rex's. And it's really tense for a few minutes because some Imperial troops come out. And they're like, hey. Give us your clearance codes. And they're like, all right. And they put in the code from the client. And Echo's like, well, what if it's a trap? And the codes are bad. And they're about to blow us out of the air. And Tech turns around and says, hey, the codes worked. And Echo's like, fine, the codes work. But I still don't like being here. And they land. And they're all still like yelling at each other as they get off the ship. And GS8 comes out. She's just like, hi, guys. And they're like, ah, droid, shoot it. And she's like, don't shoot me, I'm your client. And they're like, wait, we're working for a droid, the thing that we fought for the last three years. And she's like, yes, you are. And they are not happy about this job, but they have no choice. And they start heading into the city. And they're so suspicious because there's clones everywhere. And they need to break into this mansion that has tanks and security cameras. And they just, they're like, what if it's a trap? And Hunter's like, oh my god, Echo, if you say what if it's a trap one more time, I am throwing you off a ship. (laughs) And Echo's like, okay, I won't say again, what if it's a trap? Because you don't want me to hear me say what if it's a trap anymore. So I will not say what if it's a trap anymore, Hunter! And JS8 is like, do you all need a minute? And they're like, no, we're fine. So they move in and they start the mission. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And... They even get GS8 on the action because they're like, all right, droid, go be useful. And she's like, I don't know what to do. And slowly but surely, they break into the mansion and then they run around the mansion for like four minutes doing like sneak, 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 sneak. And they're doing all the sneaking through the house. But at one point in the sneaking, Hunter's like, tech, here's the plan. You're going to go around with Omega and take out the guys on the other side. And tech's like, um... I can do that. That would be difficult for Omega as she's not here. And Hunter's like, oh yeah, my child is not here. <laughs> it's fine. We're fine, everybody. It's okay. And Tech's like, he's gonna need a minute. GS8, so I'm so sorry about this. And she's like, it's fine. It's not like my senator's life is in danger or anything. So then they, they do more sneaking and sneaking and the whole act two is the Bad Batch like sneaking. Anyway, back at Sid's. They're actually having fun at Sins. Except for Omega. She's not happy. 
she's very miserable and she's being a very 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 bad cinderella like she's just kind of like nudging the sponge around and said is like oh my god i am not paying you for this and, she, and and omega's like i know i'm not getting paid for this why would i why would i clean for you and Ted's like look kid let me give you some tough love i know that life isn't fair and you know what you should do? You should stop fucking pouting. Because when life isn't fair, you do something about it. But if you're gonna keep, uh, if you're gonna keep pouting, you're just gonna be useless. And Omega kind of looks at her, and then she just pulls away, just like, Aah! and like runs off to the corner. And probably one of my favorite moments of the episode: the weak way and the Athorian guests like the regulars that are always in Sid's parlor. Their names are Bolo and Ketch. And like when Omega runs away upset, they both just look at Sid and give her the stink eye and like shake their heads in shame. Just like, how fucking dare you, Sid? She's a child. And Sid's like, stop judging me. You two live here for free. What the fuck? And so later on in the episode, as as Omega's been pouting for a while, I guess. Um, Sid is playing Hollow Chest, like the monster Hollow Chest. I know it has a name, guys. I don't know how to say it. Is it the the Dejeric? Dejeric? Uh, I I have no Dejeric. idea either. Yeah. Dejeric. I I don't I don't know what to I'm say. S- I'm honestly I'm sick of seeing it. <laughs> I, apparently, ga- I, there's got to be. It's a galaxy. It's a galaxy. It's a galaxy. How many games do we have? just on in america how many games must be in this galaxy give me a break i invented an entire strategy game for a fanfic right exactly and it was a tabletop strategy game that that is amazing and it's called chance and i'm very proud of it so if you want to read about Chance, look up Fire and Thread on AO3, Chapter 36. It's called Chance, and I laid out the entire rules. And they are complicated rules, and I want this board game, and that's why I made it. There is more rules than whatever Dejeric, Dejar, Dejeric, Dajagad, Dejeric. Yeah. Anyway, they're playing Hollow Monster Chess. And Omega's watching, and Sid's like, I got you now, boys. And Omega's like, no, you don't. You're about to lose. And Sid's like, uh-uh, you're a child. And she puts in her thing, and sure enough, she loses a monster. And Sid just looks over at Omega, and Omega just smiles at her. And Sid's like, how'd you do that? And Omega's like, I'll show you. And she slides in there and wins the game for Sid. And Sid's just like, oh, I can sell this. And Omega's like, oh, I can make money. And they eye each other, and they're like, yes. Yes, we're gonna make a scheme. Let's go. And you two are coming with us. They said, looking at Bolo and Catch. End of act two. Child exploitation. <laughs> you know what? If any, can we also argue that like Omega's like exploiting her too? Because she's just like, all right, I'll pay off my debts. And she's like, how much of a cut you want? Thirty. And Omega's like, no, I want sixty. <laughs> yeah, it's better than sending her on mercenary adventures, I guess. So you know, right? I'm not gonna explain you more money for the batch in like two much. hours. Um, <gasps> Omega's not a, a lot. Twitch streamer. Not a lot of notes for part act two for me. Uh. We, we we see uh, Chekhov's vase, 
And I forgot how this episode ends, but as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, Chekhov's vase. Something's happening with the vase. I actually really like that joke. I'm just like, I never liked that vase. And the only other note I had is uh, Captain Bragg is very typical Star Wars heel empire, you know, imperial captain name. But at the same time, it would also be a very typical like American movie, just regular American drill sergeant or well drill ca- or, you know, Captain Bragg, you know, oh, I, I guess because that. we have Fort Bragg, you know, but like Bragg also just sounds like a, uh, I'm, I'm doing an audio drama where there's a there's a general in it named Gen- General Bombas, you know, just any name that sounds like. Puffed up always works good for, you know, a, a, an American, especially if it's like a satirical or comedic story. But yeah, I was just like, Captain Bragg, that works like in Star Wars and in real life, too. It's acceptable in both. Mm-hmm. Unlike like Captain Smith, which would only work in one, you know, no matter how they even if they just spelled it in a Star Wars way. That's one of my favorite things is like the dumb ways they they spell like normal Earth names. Yeah. And I'm like, they, but they also have Luke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Luke is just Luke, you know, Han, yeah. Han, you know, it's it's funny, though, when when I first heard about Star Wars and I didn't see pictures of it and they said, you know, there's a character named Han Solo. I just figured it was an Asian character. You know, it sounded like to 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 seven seven and a half year old chris sounded like a asian name you know so i, I was like oh okay you i know. saw a really funny joke on twitter where it's just like opium one was like no it was like ahsoka arrives on tatooine and she's just like oh hey uncle owen and he was just like oh hey ahsoka she was like why didn't you change luke skywalker's last name to anything else in the world yeah <laughs> You had one job to protect him, and you didn't change his last name. And that's actually that that started a discussion because people were like, "So apparently, Skywalker is supposed to be like a really popular name. It's supposed to be like the Smith of Star Wars, and that's why like Luke was able just to hide out in the open, being a Skywalker." And I'm like, "Then why can't we see more Skywalker last names in Star Wars?" You know. So Luke Skywalker is basically like the name like Luke Bob Smith. Smith or something, yeah. Yeah, apparently that was the description, but like no one else has the last John, name Skywalker. It's the John Doe of the Star Wars. Galaxy. But no one else has the last name Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if if we're really gonna sell this, then we need to have more like like John Skywalker show up and just be like, "Sup, I'm John," <laughs> and you know, uh. the rise of Jones. Oh, but that's all I got for part two. <laughs> I am just going to go straight down my notes because there there are a lot of like multi parts. Um, I actually really like Hunter's line. I always thought we would make it to Braxis one day, but not like this. And it it, it made me realize them as clones, and not just the Bat Batch, but probably like all clones, if they made it to Brax to Braxis then that meant victory right because they captured the capital and i bet that was a dream not just of the bad batch but of every single clone to like make it to raxis and like 
capture that flag and like take over and like and win like that's what that line means it means they would have got victory but everything is different now and that was never going to be a victory which kind of makes that a very tragic line because that was never going to be the outcome like Palpatine would have had to been dead (laughs) if that was the outcome and I just I thought that was a very sad line but a, a very interesting one too okay so I like the moral dilemma of this episode because it's been like what a few months since the Clone Wars and for their entire existence the Bad Batch has been raised and taught that the Separatists are the bad guys so this entire episode is supposed to be about a paradigm shift and there's a a little extra layer that they're actually working for a droid now and they spent all their lives fighting Separatist droids and I like the moral dilemma of that but i wish they did more with it because i like the conversation they start to have on the way to raxis where they're talking about like i think records like i can't believe we're working for separatists and echoes like i know right and they start to have that conversation which is a very interesting conversation for clones to have of like what does it mean that we're now working and helping somebody who was our enemy like four months ago. Like, what does that mean to them? Yeah, well, it's hard to do a clear-cut moral stance in here because really nobody can have a really good moral stance or, or, or clear stance on what's going on until they get to the point where they're like, they they the blame falls on the emperor you know and you'll you'll hear the the rebels will start saying you know the emperor's blah 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 but like at this point nobody's really you know and the the emperor's planned it this way all through the you know the clone wars of just like just making it unclear who's a you know what's going on why we got these two people bad fighting and like if you just walked into that if you like basically when you just walked into episode one not knowing it or you know or or well no it started in episode two but if you just started walked into the clone wars and someone told you what was going on you wouldn't know who to take sides with you know it, it it was you know there wasn't a real clear aggressor or evil side it was just sort of this like you know, very officious, you know, oh, well, there's trade, you know, you know, agreements were broken and stuff. And it's like, oh, you know, it's political. It was all political stuff. You know, it wasn't like Palpatine is trying to is trying to take over the galaxy. You know, it was just like, what's going on? They're fighting over something, but I don't really understand it, you know. And well, stuff, and it keeps everybody wondering, like, whose side should I be on? What should I be doing? Should I just be trying to, like, get what I can out of this and be an opportunist like the body hunters and stuff, you know? And the Bad Batch at this point, you know? Yes. Yes to everything you just said. But, but that's not quite what I'm saying. But I do agree with everything you just said. No, um, that's what I was just saying. My, what I'm saying is, actually goes back to the very title of the episode common ground the entire point of this episode is supposed to be these two different factions one being the bad batch who used to work with the republic are now helping senator avi singh who was a separatist and them learning how to find common ground because there's a bigger batter enemy out there 
them learning right. to put aside their differences because there's a new big bad. Um, and I wish they delved into that more because they play up a lot of the bad bat suspicions, you know, like they keep asking like, is this a trap? And I feel like they keep, it's, I, I don't remember what episode it was, but I, I had mentioned like they keep doing these like kind of half conversations where they like bring up the idea, but they don't delve into it. And it got me to thinking actually about an episode of Amphibia, um, which is which did this entire point better in half the time. It was an 11 minute episode called The Three Armies. And the whole point is the frogs, the newts and the toads have not gotten along for 900 years because the newts were always like the top of the social food chain. The toads were the, the military people and they both subjugated the frogs. And so there was 900 years of conflict, but in a le- like they have to figure out how to put all of this aside because there's a bigger, badder villain being King Andreas and his army who's taking over the world. And so like they don't quell all their differences in 11 minutes, but they realize they have to get along to stop to stop this big bad and save the world. And it's the beginning of change. It's not like a full 180 where we're like we're all friends now. It's the starting point of change. Yeah, they're just they have they have a lot of sh- they've only existed in a very black and white world where they do where they had a a very distinct you know reason for being. And now they have to they have to start picking up all the you know gray areas in there. Yeah, so. and that's kind of wish I wish they had. Like, I I I wish there was like a conversation where like even Avi like like when they come down the stairs to save Avi from being interrogated, because they take out two clones and then they them as clones run in. And I wish there was a line of just like Avi just being like, "I'm being saved by clones," like that kind of like a moment of confusion of because like the moment right. he sees his droid, he's just like, "Oh, my droid is here." But I, I wish there was a line of him just being like. I can't trust these clones. Like, why are they here? And they're and like them just being like, "Well, you're a separatist. Like, we don't want really want to trust you either." Because well, then that would give GS8 like a really cool role of not like of a, a mediator of just being like, "Look, like we're here to save you. You, we don't have to like each other, but we have to get along because the Empire's the bad guy." And I just and that's kind of like where I wish this episode like just did a little bit more of just like. Avi not quite trusting them because like he just like goes along with them and he's fine and by the end of the episode Echo's just like live to fight another day let's well, go on hey. the ship and I'm just like, it's such a fast it's it's not as nuanced as it can be yeah and I'm just no, amazed it- that like I'm almost done um I'm just amazed that a show like Amphibia did this exact same concept better and half the time See, Avi's just, you know, if somebody's coming to break him out, that's better than what the Empire has planned for him, which is, which was literally a torture droid. He was seconds away from getting his, you know, and the torture droids, it's hard to say how much of them are like, you know, like when they were torturing Han Solo, they were just sort of lowering him onto a taser where, but with the torture droid, it might just look horrible, but it might just be giving you a shot of truth serum or something but yeah, he was about to that, get we it saw that with Hera in, he was about Rebels. yeah exactly so he was he was about to get it whatever you know just before that so he's he's gonna take up with them you know and like and that's also kind of an action movie trope is 
you know, uh, and this this one was a real shorthand of it is, you know, you the 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 enemy of my enemy is my friend and, you know, just sort of roll it. Yeah, everybody's rolling with it, you know, and 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 they pr- maybe they had some preconceptions about what Avi was going to be like. And they're like, oh, this guy's just some sort of goofy senator guy. And he's hey, you know what? He seems kind of like a decent guy, <laughs> you know, so but. All that Here's the thing: we're doing the we work, though. We're we're it. putting in the work to get to those conclusions. Yeah, we though. have to read all that into it. But that, you know, I mean, that's you know, it's it's playing with the tropes. Yeah, it's not it's not a deep episode by any <laughs> any stretch of the you know a lot. All uh, that's it. it, it it's it's like a it's an action version of a political episode from Clone Wars. You know. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of shorthand for stuff that we've already seen, which is, I guess it's good because we've already seen it. So they might as well just use that as, and it and it's also shorthand for tropes that people who might not have seen it are still familiar with. So, you know, but yeah, but like, like we said at the beginning, you know, if it was, this was in Clone Wars, it, this would have been one of those probably two part, two part, um, poli- political episodes and they would have put some more political intrigue in it which would have fleshed it out a little more you know and we could have had a little more little more tension before you know their their pals with the he but he's not like palling around with the clones but he's pretty much like along for the ride well okay so you essentially just touched on my crazy debate from a couple episodes ago about my essential problem with the show then because yeah, yeah, we we have seen this before, but we haven't seen it from the Bad Batch. And by using these like really surface level tropes, it's not doing the Bad Batch any favors as characters to develop them. Because it just seems like such a quick one eighty that they make. Well, but we're not. Well, hold on, we're not. We're, but we're not like exploring it because like think about the heroes on both sides. That entire episode is. Starts with Ahsoka going, all the Separatists are evil. And Padme goes, I'm friends with Separatists. And, and Ahsoka's like, what? And then she goes physically to Raxus, meets Mina and Lux, has dinner with them, and actually has a conversation with Lux Bonteri, and then builds a relationship with him over the course of the rest of the show. But even if you don't, if she never saw Lux again, the entire purpose of that episode is Ahsoka had a conversation that shifted her paradigm and we got to watch it happen. We're not watching this happen with the Bad Batch. They're just relying on these tropes, which is doing yeah. them no service as characters. No, yeah, I don't think it necessarily works against it. It's just that like it if it was yeah. it doesn't but they 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 if they wanted to go they should they could could should have could have gone further with it and used the shorthand to get you to a point where you're doing something new or deeper or whatever, but they don't, they just use the, the, the tropes to, to keep the story moving along basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's, it's, it'd be one thing if this was still on cable where they have that very strict, like 22 minute format, but being on streaming, they don't have to, this episode was 24 minutes, like 24 minutes and like so many seconds, they could always put in like an extra, like, 30 seconds to a minute of them talking about it or like having those moments. And so it just baffles me that they keep 
making this choice to go the like these like very shallow surface level tropes instead of like letting these characters get into like the meat of the story and i just i don't get it because like they did it in resistance they did it in clone wars they did it in rebels and i don't know why they don't do it here and it kind of drives me crazy i'm not gonna yell like i did a few episodes ago <laughs> no, I yeah, I no idea i don't know i don't get it either though i will say I love how salty Echo is all episode, which is why I find it funny that he's the one that's just like, live to fight another day, Senator. Like, I feel like that's a hunter line because the whole time Echo's like, why are we here? Mm-hmm. See, it's a trap. I guess it's not a trap, but I'm still salty. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like so sassy, like the entire episode. And <laughs> I just love how salty he is. He's like not having a, he's not having a good time. <laughs> um... And though it makes sense, and this is, like, where I would have loved to see, like, Echo kind of, like, have that moment, like, where he has a conversation with Singh. Because it makes sense that he would be salty, because he was a separatist prisoner for, like, a year, and they turned him into this machine monster. And so, like, if they would have had, like, a little 30-second conversation between, like, him and Avi of, like, Echo's, like, I don't trust you, and Avi's, like, why should I trust you either? You're clones. You try to invade my planet. And then, like, Echo has this, like, realization of, like, oh, my God, to him, we were the baddies. Huh. <laughs> like, that, that, like, that conversation that Ahsoka had with, with Lux Monteri and heroes on both sides. Yeah, they're How- figuring out stuff that, like, and and it's just about right because, you know, that, that like, pubos figure out, you know, uh, like, I- lessons on empathy and, you know, the more complexities of life, you know, you know it's 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 actually a, the the clones are a pretty good metaphor for like they're for pubos you know they've they've <laughs> you're not wrong no <laughs> all this clone stuff is just a big puberty metaphor um the only other like bad batch one i have and then i have a sit in omega note was I do like the little moment where Hunter forgets that Omega's not with them because he's gotten so used to her being there and like she is part of the team oh, and yeah, like he's... he's come to rely on her as a team member. I so I, I like that moment because it shows kind of his growth of just being like, all right, Omega, and he's like, your child's not here. It also shows how kind of ditzy he is as a leader. <laughs> he's such a ditz. He so. he's not quite he's not a himbo. But he he's is not sure quite there. Close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not as much like a himbo as more of like, you know, he's the tracker. He lives out in the woods and like he'll go eight months without speaking to humans. So he's not really like quite on that wavelength, you know? Yeah, like Dendrarin is a himbo. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, he's just a doof. He, he, he's my favorite himbo. I love Denjarin, but yeah. Um, and the only other note I have, um, and, and I, got, I, th- I started thinking about this because we had mentioned last week, I think it was, where like Omega, like where did Omega learn how to learn deception when when she deceived Toto? And we were like, she must have learned that from Sid because it does not fit any of the other members of the Bad Batch. And so I like having these like little side scenes of Sid and Omega because Omega, as you've said multiple times, is a sponge. And she's just absorbing all this knowledge. And Sid is a really good teacher for Omega. 
even though like she's harsh and she's brash and she hurts Omega's feelings. But she's also giving Omega some of like the best lessons that she needs to know to survive. Yeah. Well, she doesn't teach her this. What's funny about a strategy game is that's something that Omega can literally just, she doesn't need anybody to teach her. It, it's not like a bow or something that takes like manual dexterity and stuff. It's a thing with rules and set strategies and stuff. I'm, I'm and, not talking and, about the life lesson when she was just like, life's not fair. Yeah, life's not fair. What do you need to do? Stop pouting. Get fucking up. That's yeah. that. That's the lesson I'm talking about, not the strategy yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. But like this. But that. Yeah. In contrast to that, that that lesson, she'll be learning that lesson over multiple that to in whether you know in reality or in her mind that we don't see we'll be coming back with a lot of you know things happening in her life from that point on whereas the strategy game she can just sort of sit back sit at the bar and watch a few people play the game and go like you know the the way her her mind is you know she could probably just watch that and mechanically be like all right i know how to win this you know and uh that's that's pretty neat to watch yeah um and i just i love watching below and catch judging sid for being tough on Omega and like that, that little, like their little dirty look, just like narrowing their eyes and just shaking their she head. Just and bounce, sh she'll bounce something right off their head. And that's very real Pearlman of her. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all I had for act two. All right. Are we ready to wrap this tank up? Let's, let's get some hot tank on tank action. Jesus. All right. Act three. Act three. We're here with some tanks. Interesting. We open act three. And we're back on Raxus. And Captain Brown, beautiful girl, is just like, hey, Senator Singh, I'm going to interrogate you. And he's like, please don't. And she's like, but look at my ball. Droid. And it rolls and she's like, isn't it shiny and pretty? And he's like, no, it's really not. Please don't. But bam, there's a smoke bomb. And it's all like, shh, and like, like filling everything up with smoke. And out comes the Bad Batch. And they're there for the rescue. And they like, they don't pew people, they stun people. So they're all like, stun, 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 stun. And they knock everybody out of the room. And they free Avi Singh. And he stands up, he's just like, hi guys, thanks, are we friends now? And they're like, yes, I guess, apparently, because we're not diving into that mess. But their position is compromised, and it's time to get the heck and heck out of there. And so they, like, run to the top of the tower, and, uh, and stuff like that. And they realize they're surrounded, and so you know what they do? They're like, we're gonna Kanan and Ezra this shit. And everyone's like, I don't know what that means. But uh, but they do it anyway, and what that means is they take a walker, and they take over it so they can get the heck out of there and run away from other walkers, and it's great. And they also do it with Rex, Wolf, and Gregor, and it's fantastic, and I love it. So the Bad Batch take over some tanks, and then we get some hot tank action. They have some pew-pew-pews, and their tank gets shot in the butt. So, like, Echo, and so Tech is like, oh no, our tank has been shot in I the butt. I think the term is their, the t their t tank takes one in the butt. 
takes one in the butt with that hot plasma bolt. And they have to get out and save their tank butt. And so there are more pew pew pews as other tanks come along and they start crawling up on top of the tanks and their belly tanks start going across the back of other tanks and it's all like scrape and metal sounds and it's great. It's Anyways. like a beetle orgy. <laughs> it took me a second. But not the, br- not the British singing kind. <laughs> that's, what, that's where my brain went first. I was like, what? Ringo, get in here. <laughs> Oh, anyway. Uh, so, long story short, uh, they, they're all fighting, and they're trying to get the tanks out of there, and even the senator gets in on the action, because he takes Chekhov's face, and he smashes it on Trooper's head. And then, the moment of trust must happen, even though there's no build-up to it. And the senator wants to take them down an alley, and Tech's like, um, that's, that's a dead end. We're gonna get trapped there. And Singh is like, I need you to trust me. And the clones look at him, and they're like, we have no reason to, but money. Let's do this for the money. And so they run into the alley on their little tank, and the senator is like, all right, put it down here. And he's like, I need you to blow a hole in this wall right here. And they blow a hole, and sure enough, it's a subterranean passage. So they cave in the tunnel behind them, and they all run to safety. Hooray! And when they get back to the Bad Batch's ship, Senator Singh is like, I don't want to abandon my people. What am I going to do? I'm just a senator, but I need to go help them and lead a rebellion. And Echo walks over, saltiest of the bunch. And he takes Singh's shoulder and goes, you ready for my 180 character development? Live to fight another day. And Singh's like, okay. And they all get on the ship and they leave Raxus. And they get back to Sid's parlor. And it's just like crazy hopping with people. There are bikes outside and cars. It's a real party. And Hunter's like, what the fuck is going on here? This is not low profile. And they all run in. And there's Omega sitting like a high roller in like her pile of credits and Sid is like right behind her and they're all just like hell yeah and like baby girl is beating people left and right on the little hollow chest and she's just smiling and smiling and then she wins another game and she's all like I did it and Sid is like alright game's over and Sid kicks everybody out and Hunter is not happy about this and he's like Omega what the heck in heck? This is the opposite of what I asked you to do. This is not a low profile. And Omega's like, but why are you yelling at me? I paid off all of our debt. And like Sid stands up and she's like, yeah, Hunter, she made more money than you did in like two hours. What the fuck? And then Wrecker looks at like a Hunter and gives him a stink eye and he's like, what the fuck? shoulder smash and like tech and and tech and echo are just like yeah hunter what the fuck and everyone is like what the fuck hunter and they all leave and sid is like hello senator and they all mosey off for in the back room for payment so hunter is just like sitting there in in the shadow of just being like what the fuck like 12 times and he looks at omega and he's like did you really pay off all of our debt she's like yeah I wanted to be useful. And she even says that. She's like, I wanted to be useful. And I'm like, baby girl, 
baby girl, sweet girl, you are, and I love you. Like, good for you. And you like, like made your own way. You took Sid's advice, and you got up, and you made it your own, and you saved the day, honey. And I love you. And so Hunter is just like, okay, okay. I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal. If you can beat me in one match, then you never have to sit out another mission again. And as we know how the rest of the season goes, she definitely won that game because she hasn't sat out since. The end! What'd you think of Act 3? Alright, well, I'll do my few notes not about tanks first. I think it's really funny, and I can't believe that you didn't mention that she actually whoops a chiss. He's Pantoran. Oh, is he? Oh, I thought it was chiss. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry to well actually you because I absolutely would be like, yeah, she whooped that chiss, didn't she ride the ass? But he's Pantoran. Uh, the only chiss. Um, There's actually no chiss in the galaxy at this time because Thrawn has not arrived yet. Um, Senator Singh pulls a Padme from episode one of being like, I can't leave my people. It's the sa- They have the same sort of conversation in episode one where they're just like, look. <laughs> It, you're just gonna get dead here, so you better come with us. And she's like, oh, "Okay, I will." And uh, so I you're thought right. that was. I didn't nice. even think about it that way. Um, let's see. Tanks, 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 tanks. I like uh, record saying, "What's all this?" Oh, all British policemen like. Well, <laughs> he didn't say. He didn't say. Uh, then a, it would make it totally british if he said what's all this then eh i i will but. say that i i do have one tank note which is i always love a slow tank chase in star wars this was fast it's funny because these tanks are super slow but they were faster than the walker chase battle in rebels or the one when they were in the super slow or the one that when they were in the sandstorm where they, they were like hiding under the walkers yes. in the tank actually yes. it was one of these tanks i think like yes. the little spider tanks. Yeah. And uh, my only other note, and the, the trust me, th- this is one of those funny things where in a story they say, trust me, but really they could say just like, oh, no, don't worry. There's an, we can just blow the wall and, and get through a, a tunnel on the other side of there instead of going, trust me, because there's no reason for him to keep it a secret from him at that point in time or any point between now and getting to the wall. <laughs> So, but it's just, it, it just makes a more dr- dramatic dialogue. Okay, tanks. Um, tanks. Basically, Act 3 and this episode, Loki, the main character, is the tanks. These tanks are just, like, so loaded with personality, like, in this, uh, in, in this part of the episode. Like, they, they put so much sound design into them. Uh, like when you when you knock out the driver of the tank, the tank actually slumps over like a person, like it's um, you know, like a mech from a, you know, like a giant robot monster movie. Um, I mean, the the Bad Batch just love the tanks because they could literally run out of there faster than those tanks. Those tanks are so slow. But like they're they're like when they're when the tanks die, they make like little like death rattles. Do they and, really? I miss that. And there's there was just one really nice deep like guttural death rattle when one of them died, 
and when they're on fire, there's like molten metal dripping off them. They just really had fun with with the tanks in this, and it was. I mean, I think it was really the high point of the episode, um, because it, it, they just threw out all the stops on the tanks. It was just so much good sound design, you know, and you know they they definitely use some some chunks from like Empire Strikes Back and stuff there for some of the sound effects in there, but it was it was just uh yeah. This is this is kind of the tank ep- episode, you know. Little things happen to our main characters, but the tanks steal the show. That's all I got on Act Three. Um, for me, wow, I have a lot of notes. Why do I have so many notes? Um, oh, this is the most of my um, lot of notes. Yeah, this is the most of my shallow notes. Um, I love the moment. That the senator, before they leave the interrogation room, he takes a moment to put his hat on. And I it, that moment came back, so he puts his hat on. And I'm like, first of all, I'm always here for a fancy Star Wars boy. Like, the fancy boys who are just like, no, I can't leave without my hat. And yeah. then, and then well, it comes back. that's either fancy boys or, like, Indiana Jones-type adventures who are, or, or, or rather, hat guys. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's comes... a fancy boy, though. <laughs> he's definitely comes... in the fancy boy category. <laughs> And then it comes back because when Wrecker like picks him up and like goes down the zip line with him, he loses his hat and like GS like picks up the hat and holds it up like sir your hat. <laughs> and- well, he's he's a fancy boy, and he's you know he's you see him he's kind of out of shape, but he's not a wimp. He's 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 down he's down for the escape, and he's he's sort of you know he's uh, he's paying attention, you know. He's he's not a he's not they they you know he's not working against them or you know he's he's not inhibiting them at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I and and so I love that like the running gag of like where's the hat? Um, my I I love the sound of imperial klaxon horns in Star Wars. Just that. Like I, I don't know what it is. Actually, I do think I know what it is. I think the reason that that sound came on my Did radar. You used to go to raves. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, the reason I think that sound became on my radar, and every time I hear it, it reminds me of this. It reminds me of the original Rogue One trailer, because yeah. the, in the original Rogue One trailer, they have that klaxon horn that starts like halfway through the trailer, and then it becomes the beat. It drops the beat. And that is like the beat that all the music is set to. And like it's the and it's just like this growing sound to like you have that final shot where the doors open. And, I, and I'm still sad that the shot didn't make it into the movie because it's still one of my favorite shots of all of Star Wars. And it's not even in the movie where the door opens and like the Rogue Run crew like run out and there's the walkers there shooting at them as they're running through the sand as they run out the door and like the whole time like the the klaxon horn is going like a beat just like as the music goes and i think that's what did it for me because like from that moment on when i hear that sound it reminds me of the rogue one trailer and i just i love it i love it so much um you know the last few episodes because we had like Cad Bane and we had all the Camino stuff and then we had the stuff with Finnick and then we had the stuff with Crosshair and Rex. Like we've had like the last few episodes like being 
this is gonna make me sound like such a hypocrite the last several episodes have been like very like dealing like with a lot of drama and like personal drama and getting their chips out and then Wrecker's chips went off and then like we had Finnick and all that stuff and Cad Bane I kind of do like while I wish this episode was deeper and had like more of that connective tissue I do also enjoy watching the Bad Batch doing what they do best and just fucking wreck shit it's fun. It's yeah. fun to watch them just be themselves and like be the bad batch. I think I was talking about how I was looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they announced the show. So yeah. Um, and the other thing I liked, this episode kind of reminded me of a conversation we had very, very early on in our Rebels co- coverage. And we were talking about the difference between fighting enemies and Clone Wars, what to moving to fighting enemies and rebels. And we had discussed how they went from killing droids in Clone Wars to killing people. And when you're killing people, it does change the tone, even though that they're space Nazis. Yeah. They are <laughs> space Nazis. But like it would be different if Sabine shot a droid point blank in the face versus shooting a human being point blank in the face, which she right. does in the Clone Cadet episode. And it changes the tone. And we're seeing that kind of tone changing here. Because the Bad Batch are not just fighting anybody. They're fighting other clones. People who are literally their brothers. And it does change the tone. And so something I noticed this episode that I would I really like this choice. They're not fighting them with blaster bolts. They're fighting them with stun bolts. They're not killing the clones. They're choosing just to stun them because they don't want to kill their brothers. And they also understand the importance of the inhibitor chips. And they know that the clones can't help it because they're under the possession of the inhibitor chips. And I think that's a really cool detail that they put in this episode, that they're not killing them. They're just stunning them and knocking them out. And I really like that detail. Eventually they will, though. Like, and just like we were saying, eventually Omega's going to kill a man, you know? Didn't she already? I think she did. I, I think it was like two episodes ago she arrowed somebody. But like we were saying, you know, I feel like she... you, I feel like you had that note of just like and there's yeah. Omega killing a person. Yeah. yeah, no, we always make that note, and like we did the same thing with that. And we we're like, well, Ezra's killing people. <laughs> Ezra yeah. just like murdered somebody. So you know, it, yeah, it, it's it's like a, it's that's definitely a tone shift we always know in the show. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, as, as, as many critiques I had, I actually really do like Sing and GSA. I I want to know more about them and I would love to see them show up again in season two and maybe have that conversation of like, you know, what I was saying about like how some of the first re- rebels were separatist. And so I think that'd be cool if like, say like the bad batch, like met up with Rex and like there's there's the senator like at the rebels table and they're like senator's saying and he's like I'm not a senator anymore I'm a rebel now like I just I think that'd be really cool I, I I'd like to see Singh and GS8 again. Um, <laughs> this is another nice like little detail I notice. So um, I realized that Bolo and Catch the two regulars and Sid Barth, um, they're in on the scheme, and. And I realized this because when Omega is playing the Pantoran at the end, Ketch 
um, reaches around and like puts his hand on the guy's shoulder and like sips water in his ear, and the guy like 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 pulls back and like looks at him, and it's a distraction. It's a distraction to break his concentration to help Omega win. And yeah. like I'm sure I'm sure Omega, Omega doesn't need help. But well, like, no, I, I, I'm bet they weren't even set up. They were just that's just they were just doing it because they're like ah, I like Omega, so yeah, and and, and that's the guy. point. And, that, that's the point balls. that I'm getting at is that like, and I mentioned this before about how like Bolo and Ketch has like uh, kind of accepted the Bad Batch's new regulars and they're, they're always there and they're building that relationship of, and like, you know, cause like if they didn't care, they wouldn't have judged Sid so hard, like for like hurting her feelings cause they like her and they want her to succeed. And so like, they might be like the smallest of supporting characters and the smallest of background characters, but I really like this kind of role that Bolo and Catch has as supporting characters. I think they're really fun. I like who they are. I think they're great comedy. And I but it's also showing that like I think with push came to shove, like Bolo and Catch might actually throw down. Like I do remember that they are in one of the adventures later. I don't remember what adventure it is. Um, I think it might be the infested episode that they're actually part of the plot. Um, but I, I think like if the show like kept continuing, like they would throw down for the Bad Batch because they're now like their regular family. Like the you know, like when you have regulars at a bar, you get to know yeah. people. And it's like my regulars at the comic book store. Like I got to know them all the time. I got to watch their kids came up and if something happened, I would like throw down for them. <sighs> Maybe not all of them, some of them were assholes, but for like ninety percent of them I would throw right. down for them. So, um, and the last thing I have is a question. Do you think Hunter let Omega win the game or do you think Omega beat him fair and square? I don't think, I think if he, I don't think he could let her win. I think if he let her win, she would have known it and been pissed off and been like, play me like, yeah, I don't think he like if letting her win would mean like, yeah, no, she's a solid opponent, you know? They're not like on a physical plane with this one. He's outmatched with her. So I would imagine he probably tried his best. And and I would, if I were Hunter, I would want to have executive control. He may technically too. He just, we, we may see a point where, you know, there could be a point somewhere where in season two where they, where, where we find out and they calls it out and he goes, I know I've let you on every mission, but I'm calling the, calling my, uh, playing my, you know, take omega out of the mission card from our game or whatever but she probably won i would imagine she probably would have won i'm it's a different kind of game it's a different kind of game than hunter's speciality anyway you know that's true hunter's an idiot <laughs> we've already established that he's that's dumb. his speciality yeah is indecisive you know what? Yes, that's my answer too. She beat him fair and square <laughs> because Hunter's an idiot. Because uh, I was going to say I'm a little torn on it, but you're right. I, I think she would have been able to see through it if, if he let her win. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's all I have for common ground. Do you have anything else? No. All right. Well, score it up for me, Chris. Um, it was, it was a good episode. It was fun. The tanks were fun. If it wasn't for the tanks, it might be like down. It, this might be one of my lower. I gave it an eight, eight out of 10. It's fine. We're tied, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> because 
I do like this episode, but it still bothers me that, like, they're not fully diving into, like, these media topics, especially because I know that they've done it before. And it just baffles me that they're not doing that, that, like, this could have been the Bad Batch version of Heroes on Both Sides. We had that in Rebels multiple times. We've had that in Resistance, but I don't know why they're not doing it here. And so, like, it's just me missing that little bit of extra oomph to really make the episode sing for me. It kind of has that feel of an episode where they made it to be like if like in the product, like they had like some episodes that were going to be like harder productions and they had this one in case they were like, okay, we don't have episode 10 ready yet. You know, let's put this one could fit in anywhere with a couple little tweaks in it, you know, continuity wise because it's self-contained. So they just didn't make it very you know, distinct as in it, you know, something happened, you know, anything distinct happening in it that would place it in its timeline. It was just more, let's make this one just sort of an adventure, you know, we'll have some character stuff in it, but it'll be very self-contained for the most part. Yeah, because like this is, I I could be wrong because I don't remember the back half of the season very well, but I feel like this is the only episode that deals with them working with a separatist. And which is why it feels like if they went like, oh, let's just have an adventure and like with some character stuff, like it feels like it should have a heftier feel to it. But again, like this is this is my ongoing criticism of the show. It's not going to change. Um, yeah. So I also gave it an eight out of 10 because I like the episode and it does have stuff that yeah. like really bumped it up from an average episode, but it just could have been better. Like it's just missing that like extra thing, that extra step to like really get into like not only the meat of the story, but the meat of the characters. And I don't know why they're not doing that. So it's like they're like scared to pull the trigger on things. Maybe because like, I I don't know, because I think this is the time when like Dave Filoni was like fully in Mando Town. And there was a lot lot of things going on that they had to keep things tied together. And maybe this was you know, a good, safe thing to do, you know, just sort of safe, generally action-oriented thing to do that that doesn't commit to a lot of stuff so that they can, you know... Yeah, I mean, there's got... There's so many things that could be... It could be, you know, someone from Disney called down and said, hey, you know, can we uh, make this one a little less character-oriented and have more things like tanks that we can sell toys for, you know, or some, you know, it could be something like that, you know, it's hard to say. Cause it, it's anything that's post the sequel debacle <laughs> is, you know, could have any number of factors weighing in of, you know, Disney trying to correct, you know, so who yeah, knows? Because I know he, I know he's the executive producer on this, um but he's he's not in the day-to-day like it's the same path that he took on resistance like he he like because you know he developed the bad batch for clone war so like he very much had a say in like the creation of these characters because those were created for his show but like i i I do know that this was like resistance and he was not in the day-to-day we're at the point where they've been a units you know making dave filoni stuff for so long that you know he yeah. could he could probably figurehead a show or two 
every once in a while because everybody there knows their job. They probably know everybody else's yeah, job yeah, yeah. too. But but so. to finish to finish my point though, to finish the point that I was making, he's not there in the day to day. Exactly how he was in resistance, right? But resistance did the stuff better, and that's the disconnect I don't understand because it's the same resistance crew, same executive producers. Like like Jennifer Corbett was a writer on Resistance, that was her first Star Wars show, and she's the head writer. And I don't understand the disconnect because Resistance I, well, did all this stuff. Real all all my complaints of the show, Resistance did really well. Right, without but, Dave Filoni being in the data day to day, and I don't understand wanted- why it's not happening here. You and I enjoyed resistance and would like another like more stuff like resistance. I would love Disney a resistance was, season three. <laughs> right. D- Disney was probably very shy of it being more like resistance and maybe wanted to distance it from because resistance was not a big hit. You know, it didn't because resistance was caught in cable hell as a place yeah, before it, they it, released Star Wars season seven, Clone Wars yeah. season seven. Yeah, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing that happens to to shows where, like, you know, a really good show doesn't find its audience or is in a bad place. It happened to the uh, what was it, um, Firefly, or you know, stuff like that, where you get a season season or two of a show and it's a sort of a, it doesn't flounders or is in obscurity or both or you know or whatever. But it's a really good solid show. And then, and then you know, it's never going to be taken in a corporate situation as like, oh uh, well, that was the end of cable and blah blah blah, tail end of cable and stuff. They'll be like, yeah, maybe it was too character based, you know? Maybe we had to do less. Well, of that. we've seen that like Firefly has such a cult following, and people are still asking for the next season. Right, right, and so. and I don't, I don't, I don't think Resistance had as big of a cult following as Firefly. When it came up, but but resistance will always be around for people to watch. And and like I've seen this happen so many times in the past with shows like this. And this is this show is that kind of show and it's different. It, and and uh, it, the, the fans will catch up to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And eventually people will catch up to it and, and it, it will get it will get the appreciation it deserves in 20 years. Like right now we're having a, yeah, yeah, renaissance, you know, so I, mean, I will see you be... when I'm 54. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Resistance my age. Dance. Literally <laughs> my age. Anyway, uh, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, and on the two true freaks, Facebook page this week, our feedback comes from our friend Charles for the bad batch episode cut and run. All right. So Charles says, uh, one thing this episode touched on that I don't remember touching on in our coverage is how a chain code would be necessary for things like basic medical care or necessities, like the number of the beast. That was my addition. It's interesting to pair up with the switch to Imperial credits that Rampart touts in the same episode. It's a post-separatist crackdown in a way. Oh, you wanted independence? Peacekeeping occupation. You wanted safety and peace of mind for your health and house? Only if you register in our database. You want financial freedom? You'll do so with our currency now. Uh, it's it, that 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 was just a well-written paragraph because, like, just me just reading this on the fly, I totally picked up the tone of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it was just very easy to. 
read. Usually I would just stumble through that. Later on, later on in the season, we'll see how a Republic planet, Ryloth, and a separated planet, Raxus, Raxus, are treated under the same restrict, restricting new ethos by the Empire we just did, but in different ways. Cut and run shows what it's like for ordinary citizens. Yeah, just I, another little taste of uh, resistance. <laughs> and, I, and I do think it's like good to put a pen in this episode too, because it's good to, when we do get to the two Ryloth episodes. It will be good to compare like how a Republic planet was treated, who won the war technically, versus a Separatist planet, how they're treated, who lost the war. Um, right. I actually messaged Charles. I was like, just so you know, this comment is going to be on the Rex yeah yeah so i was like that was great timing yeah um candy oh where's this candy from this week you guys know the feel it's from switzerland through Uh, germany it's from belgium oh the candy is produced in the milk chocolate was originally from switzerland but this one in particular was from belgium um we are eating uh milka alpine milk we are eating a a milka leo bar from belgium because you guys know Chris hates Kit Kats, so Dario can just Kit Kat food from all over the world because he's great and we love Dario. This basically oh God, looks smell like it. this smell basically it. looks like a smell of the Kit Kat. It basically right, ooh. right. That's why I told you to smell it. It smells great. It uh, it's sort of like the Prince of Kit Kats. The chocolate is so soft. Oh my God. Oh my God. And the wafer is like really light. The wafer is like. A wisp. Mm-hmm. Just a wisp. The chocolate is so light and soft. Like, you know, sometimes when you buy into a Kit Kat, like, it has that, like, kind of, like, chocolatey resistance. No, this one's just a ghost. It just goes, Mm-hmm. And just, like, melt. Mm. Mm. We've described so many Kit Katty wafer-like candies. It's so... We're really fine-tuning. It does have a bit of like a, not exactly a milk taste, and it's not a milk chocolate taste, but like the cream and the wrapper have kind of like an extra creaminess to it. This is something I taste a lot, and a lot of other people don't taste it, but with some candies, uh, chocolates, I get a, a coconutty aftertaste, and this one's giving me the coconutty aftertaste. I don't know if there's yeah. coconut oil in it or something. I'm not getting that, yeah. Mm. Or maybe it's just a flavor that I associate with coconut or something. Let's see. Are the directions in English? The ingredients are not in English, so I cannot help you there. Mm. They're also very thinner than Kit Kats. Yes, they're thinner like... Flat, they're like flat, flat Kit Kats. They're like three-fourths of a Kit Kat. They're not exactly half, but they're definitely like three-fourths. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm gonna eat a whole thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. I had a salad for lunch. I could eat the whole thing. Oh my god, my my roommate went on tour. But before she went on tour, she went to maybe I talked to this about this before because it was like around Easter time. But she was going to a friend's for Easter, and she made this gig. She was making this gigantic salad with fresh greens and she was like do you want some of this and i'm like whatever you don't use just throw in a bowl and i'll and i'll eat it like a salad and 
She threw it in this gigantic, like, you know, stainless steel kitchen bowl. And I had this great salad with, like, sesame ginger dressing on it. And, um, oh, uh, what do they call the toasted uh, pumpkin sesame seeds? seeds? Sesame seeds? No, the toasted pumpkin seeds. I think they just call them toasted pumpkin seeds. There's a there's a name for them. It starts with P, and I can't remember what it is. Maybe it's Spanish. Is it or pumpkin? <laughs> no. No, it's not. And um, but they had those uh, like toasted pumpkin seeds with like maple flavor on them. Oh, it's so good. I work in a I work in a rib place, so it's just the only lettuce we have in there is iceberg lettuce. So it's like just having a fresh fresh salad with there were blueberries in it Mm-mm-mm. i need more salad salad in my um, life it says eating the kit the the swiss kit kat the prince kit kat i lately have been making like greek salads like i like slice up my own olives my own pepperoncinis and mm. I make my own Greek dressing. Oh, it's really good with some feta on top and like mm, so good. I also have some hard salami, so I'll like cut that up too and put it, up, mm, put it on top. Mm, yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. So good, so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you have anything else for common grounds? I do not. All right. I'm well, done with people... it. I'm done with it, Hope. Well, done where can people it. find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com and hope you can find us at twotruefreaks.com and by us i mean me and hope and a whole slew of other podcasters and a whole metric shit ton of podcasts um you can go through it podcast by podcast and check out all the nerdy stuff there um we're also on facebook through the two true freaks podcast page or the two true freaks cantina see what we're up to we are also on Twitter, run by the intrepid Gene Gene, the Twitter machine. Gene asked us about seagulls. Gene! Yep. Had to bring up the seagulls, didn't you, Gene? Yeah. Had, yep. to trigger, had to trigger Yoda. But what, that's what, what he the, does. What? Why? Why? I triggered Yoda. Come on. <laughs> <Did you, laughs> Hope wants all the credit. <laughs> you, you mentioned Grogu, and he goes off the chain. He set you up and you knocked it. He set it up, you knocked it down. How about that? That's, that's true. Okay, I, I will happily take an that assist. That sound right? Okay. I will happily take an assist. All right, problem problem averted. All right, so that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find I'm me at... I'm with this as time goes on. I'm sorry for the people who just started tuning in. They're like, what is it with these guys at... This is actually a very formatted end. It just is sort of degrading over time. Yeah, I mean, you're joining us 321 right episodes. Yeah. You're, you're 321 episodes into us podcasting for what, like eight years now? So, <laughs> something like that. I just realized. Oh, yeah. I just realized our number was 321. <gasps> Blast off! Blast off. Now, I think of that TV, that, uh, I think it was on PBS. It was 321 Contact. Three, two, one contact it's the answer it was a really cheesy 80s show that sounds vaguely familiar actually <laughs> <laughs> um anyway 
Uh, you can find me at jguysandjedi on Twitter. That is our Twitter account that I run. You can also find, follow me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. I am also a writer for the Geeky Waffle. I'm one of their staff writers. Um, actually, by the time this episode comes out, um, I will be complete with season two of Owl House reviews and Amphibia will sadly be finished. So those reviews will be complete as well. Um, I, I Something I am eyeing in June, though, um, will be the 10th anniversary of the first episode of Gravity Falls. And I, I plan on writing a piece for that. And Hope is hoping to have, like, that is Hope's goal, to get out all of our Gravity Falls episodes for Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. So Ooh. hopefully, I'm giving myself a goal to hopefully finish up, because I'm on, like, the second to last episode. So I'm there. I'm there, guys. <laughs> Hope's life is busy. Don't judge me. Chris made Hope a deal that if I edited the, the episodes of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, he would podcast with me, and we see how bad Hope is at this deal. I've had a nice little vacation here in the last, like, I know. year or so. I don't know. Something like that. It's, it's been a year. It's been a year. It really has been, and I'm sorry, but, like, we do have this other gonna podcast. I'm going to have to watch that episode of uh, Avatar again. And, like, yeah, we're going to have to, like, rewatch Avatar through my notebook to find my notes on it. I had I had the last episode we were supposed to do all set up all ready for it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's all my fault. Like, it really <laughs> I'm is. I'm, I'm hoping that when I get the job, I can just be like, here, fiber person, edit this episode for me. <laughs> Here's your five dollars. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I am a writer for uh, the Kiki Waffle. I'm occasionally on their Star Wars show called Space Waffles, which is ran by my friend Arzu. Um, so you can sometimes find me over there. Um, and yeah, and you know what, Chris? I was looking ahead to next week's episode, and we actually don't have to put a pin in this episode very long because next week is the start of the Ryloth two-parter. Yep. yep. And so we're gonna get smoking hot. We're going to get smoking hot, Hauser, because Hauser, I know you're not on Twitter, so everybody knows. Charles knows what I'm talking about. Hauser took over Twitter for like two weeks. Like, that's all anybody talked about for this episode. They're like, fucking Hauser is hot. Everybody, the men, the women, the non-binary people, the intersex people, the gays, the straights, like, they were all like. Hauser just plowed through all of them. It really, like, he did, because he's so goddamn hot i do and not remember hauser at all so. he, he's the clone <laughs> he's the clone that didn't change in order 66 and he's helping sham and he's helping harrow's family that guy and everybody fell in love with him so we're actually starting the ryloth two-part episode with next week's episode called devil's deal but i like to call it the bad batch light episode and rebels 2.0 <laughs> we'll just call it book of boba fett yeah, the Rebels prequel. It'll be fine. So, yeah. I wish I had more candy bar. I inhaled that. Um, it's gone. It's gone. I destroyed it. Like, in, like, th- like I ate it so fast. In about three quarters of the time of a Kit Kat. Imagine that. Actually, a little less because it was even... It just goes down fluffy. So, so smooth and buttery. Anyway, guys. We, we love you. We'll talk to you later. And enjoy your hot on tank action. Yes, tank it uh, up. Uh, 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 that's the sound Got of a tank. Uh, big fine tank there. Why don't you back that thing up? Yeah, back that tank into my houser. Oh, whoa. <laughs> hey, 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 cool it down there. <laughs> Bye, everybody.
I don't know what else is funny to me. That's the ho. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny, but it was. Rocking, rocking and rolling. Down to the beach I'm strolling. But the seagulls poking my head. Not fun. I said, seagulls, mm, stop it now. Our website at two true freaks.com. Two true freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email two true freaks directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. Two true freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. Yeah, like that. Like that. One day I was walking and I...